139, verse 13. Now here's a proper self-image. You know, sometimes people talk about self-image. Here's a proper self-image. Here's what you should think about yourself. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Fearfully and wonderfully made. That's how you should look at yourself. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm incredible. That's basically what he's saying. He's saying, God, I know that you made me, that you created me, and what you created is wonderful. Now, here's what happens in life. Life begins to beat us up. Actually, from a very early time in our life, and in some lives, more than others, But in everybody's life, it's true. Is that life begins to beat you up a little bit. You begin to think, well, maybe I'm not as smart as I need to be. Maybe I'm not as athletic as I need to be. Maybe I'm not as pretty as I need to be. And you begin... To have this beating up that goes on. It goes on inside your own mind because of things that happen in your life and things that people say or or events that go on in your life and you begin to wonder and you begin to doubt. And and this, this image of I'm fearfully and wonderfully made begins to be a little bit different. You begin to think, hey, you know, I, I'm not sure if I am that good. Maybe there is something wrong with me. And life tears you down. But we should really have sort of the perspective, if we look at ourselves in God's eyes, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. There's a couple things here we've got to lay down as sort of basics if we're going to be the better you. Is that first of all, you need to be the best you. Life in this sense is not about competition. You're not trying to be better than somebody else. You're just trying to be the best you possible. You don't need to be as smart as the other guy. You don't need to be as athletic as the other girl. You you don't need to have uh, the prettier hair than, than somebody else. You just need to be the best you possible. And you know the the bottom line for most of us, that's a full-time job. We don't need to worry about being better than somebody else. We just need to worry about being the best you that you can be. That's what you need to focus on here. I need to be the best me possible. And here's something I want you to write down if you're taking notes for absolute sure. Because this is is a key part of what we're going to talk about today. 
is that improvement is always appreciated. Improvement's always appreciated. You don't have to get there all at once. But you just need to make improvement. You just need to get a little bit better if you understand what I'm saying. Now, just because you age doesn't mean that you get any better. We're not like wine or fine wine, you know. We don't get better just because we age. Because sometimes we age and we get older, but we're just older uh, forms of the, the same thing. You know what I'm saying? You know, you're you're uh, you're out of your uh, teenage years, but you know, maybe you maybe you haven't you know gotten out of your teenage years yet. You know that kind of thing. But we have to have this perspective of life of improvement is always appreciated. Just try to get a little better as you go along. And I'm going to give you uh, two particular things here that I, I think are building blocks of how to be the better you. And we're going to look at a lot of scriptures uh, as we go through this. Number one is you got to get your mind right. You've got to get your mind right if you're going to be the better you. And number two, you've got to learn to play your position. You've got to learn to play your position. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 20. We're talking about getting our mind right. Our mindset where it needs to be. Matthew chapter 20. We want to be the better you, right? Yeah. We want to be as good as we can. We're making improvement in our life as we go along. Yeah. Yeah. In Matthew 20, Jesus gives us a, a tremendous building block here of how our life in our mind can get right. And you'll recognize the story, some of you who are good Bible students. It says in verse 20, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus. This is James and John's mother. So the mother of James and John come to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down and ask a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Now, this is, this is truly what a mother would do. <laughs> hey, you know, Jesus, uh, since you're going to be the king in, in, in judgment, can my two sons be on your right and on your left? You know, moms are bold about that kind of thing. <laughs> Jesus comes back and says, you don't know what you're asking. You know, you're out of your league here. Uh, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared by my Father. So you have a lot of ambition here that's being shown by these two boys, or these, young, these men and, and their mother. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. So the other ten guys, uh, you know, hear about this, and they're like, what's up? Hey, guys. They were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together, and he's going to give them a life lesson here. This is the lesson we're really trying to look at here. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. So he makes a, 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 an observation about the world of his time, which frankly fits the world of our time, too. He says, you, you, don't you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them? He says, leadership is about authority. Jesus says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life a ransom for many. Okay, here's where we start becoming the better you. We've got to get our mind right. We've got to think in a different way than the world around us. Jesus says, hey, the, the leaders of the Gentiles, he said, the people of the world, this is how they think, is that you get authority and then you lord it over people. You get authority and you lead them via your authority. And he says emphatically, not so with you. He says, we're not going that direction. He says, if you want to really be a leader, and he doesn't condemn leadership, he defines it. He says, you must be like me. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to make his life a ransom for many. You must be like me. He says, not so with you. How do you become the better you? You begin to see yourself differently. I'm not here to try to get authority or to get power, to get money, to get the things that, that, that somehow give me an air of superiority of other people around me. I have come, my mindset is, I have come to serve. Now I want us to think for a minute. In the home that you live in, in whatever role you're in, whether you're in the role of a teenager or you're in the role of a mom or a dad, I think that probably covers all possibilities here, right? I guess it. In the home you live, how can you be a servant? Now the moms say, well, I'm already servant. <laughs> Okay. And, and, and for the moms, we say amen. Amen. You're doing a good job. How about, how about the others, though? How about the men in the room? How can you be a servant in the home you live in? What can you do to help out in the overall operation of the home? Would it be too much for you to clean something? You say, well, that's not actually my job. But see, we're, we're trying to help you become the better you. The better you. Okay, how about the, how about the teens down here? Uh, my my first, first couple row people. Okay, how... It's getting hot in here. Well... Uh, yeah. How can you be a servant in the home that you live in? Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. I'm going to challenge, and most of my teens down here are girls. Not, not all of them are, but most of them are. I'm going to challenge you guys to cook a meal for the family. And not hot dogs either, okay? Yeah, man, I got some Hebrew nationals, threw them in some water, boiled them up, and we had hot dogs. No, no, no. Uh, you, you got, well, you may need to start out with ramen. Maybe ramen's where you start out. But, you know, hopefully you'll graduate beyond ramen uh, fairly quickly. How to become the better you? You need to see yourself in the role of Jesus. Now, was Jesus the leader or were the 12 the leaders? Was there any question who was leading? Jesus or the twelve? No, no. It was clear that Jesus was the leader. 
But Jesus calls upon Himself as an example. He says, you guys know that I do a lot of things. You know, the Bible doesn't always fill in all the blanks. What did Jesus do? He must have done all kinds of things for them. Because when He references this, He references it with total boldness. Jesus did things for them all the time and they knew it. And so when He says, you need to be like Me, it wasn't hard for them to connect the dots. Okay, maybe I need to do something around here instead of everybody doing it for Me all the time. That's how you begin. You change your mind. Okay, now we talked about where you live. Let's talk about where you work or, in the, in the case of uh, the younger people here, where you go to school. Let's change our mind here. How to be the better you? Be a servant. At the place where you work, be a servant. And what does that mean? You know what? I don't know what it means for you. But you do, you have enough information of the circumstances and situations of where you work. How can you be a servant at that place? Be the better you. You see, you got to get your mind different here. For many of us, we think of our place of work as, well, I go to work and then I get out of there. That place drives me nuts. You know what? Maybe it does. And, and, and maybe it would drive anybody nuts. And maybe your uh, opinion of it is, is, is probably what anybody's opinion uh, might be. But perhaps if you took the attitude that I need to be a servant around here in whatever ways that you need to fill in the blank there, the specifics and details there, maybe it would be a better place to work. Maybe the process of it becoming a better workplace starts with you. You changing your mind about the eight hours or six hours or however long you are at that place to be a servant. you got to get your mind right. Look over to Philippians chapter 2. Great passage here in Philippians 2 about the idea of being a servant. It, it talks very specifically about it, but it gives us some very practical mind uh, uh, places to go and things to think about from a mental point of view. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. You guys there? Yeah. Okay, Philippians 2.1, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do, not, uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Your mind. Your heart, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Now he goes on and, and, uh, and he talks about that. Who being in very nature God, he's God in the flesh. In his very nature he is God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He emptied himself, one version says. Taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and, and, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. Now, this passage gives us some real details here of how do you change your mind? Well, what are the practicals of this? Well, let's look at it. He says in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Don't be selfishly ambitious. Now, okay, you want to get an A in your class. That's awesome. But is the A just about you so that you can look down on everybody else? If it's selfish ambition. You see, if you want to do excellence because you you have a, a desire to glorify God, I want to do the best I can in my life, that's fantastic. Amen. Knock stuff out. Go for it. But see, if, if, if an accomplishment to you is so that you can look down on somebody else, it's selfish ambition. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? No one likes a person like that. We've always known some, we, we all know someone like that, or we've known someone like that in life. I don't like it when people look down on me. It annoys me. Does it annoy you when people look down on you? Can you I mean, can you feel a vibe when someone feels like they're superior to you? Man, I do, and I don't appreciate it. I don't like those people. i got to be honest with you. And, and, you know, there's times in my life, and i got to tell you, there's times in my life people annoy me. I got annoyed with a person uh, this week coming out of the grocery store. I'm coming out of the grocery store, and this woman runs up to me, and, uh, you know, are you a voter in South Pasadena? It annoyed me. And I didn't act like a Christian. I had to be honest. I said, that's my business. And walked on. And, and you know, my teenage daughter was with me. And... That wasn't very nice. It's always great, great to have a conscience with you, you know. <laughs> when I go out in public with my conscience and reminding me, you know. But you know, I, 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 I'm like anybody else in that regard. You know, I don't, I don't like it when people look down on me. I don't like it when people, you know, annoy me and bother me and, and, and that kind of a thing. But he, he's talking here about having the right spirit, the right heart. That's a selfish ambition thing. It's not going to get you anywhere in life. People aren't going to like you. You wonder, why, 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 why people don't like me more in the office? Well, maybe you're not very likable in the office. You know, there's possibility there. You may want to tie that together. Why don't I have more friends? Well, because you're not a very good one. Maybe you need to improve on friendship. Why does no one call me? Because you don't call anybody. You ought to get one of those new phones, you know? You can actually make a call on them, not just get a, a call, you know? <laughs> but in humility, consider others better than yourself. I got to tell you, from time to time, that, that, that's, a t- that's a tough one for me. Because I have a fairly high developed sense of who I am sometimes. A guy that was discipling me and discipling the relationship with me one time said, you're one of the hardest people to disciple I've ever known. You, you think you're right about everything I bring up. 
I said, well, I have doubts about all kinds of things. Just everything you brought up, I think I'm right on. <laughs> he just hadn't hit the right topic yet. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure I'd be more humble about other things, but on the things you brought up, I'm pretty sure I'm right. Yeah. Uh, which, <laughs> which I'm not sure that's good. <laughs> My wife is saying I'm pretty sure it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I got more consciences around me. Yeah. I, between Karina, Margaret, and Chris, I can't get away with anything. Uh, I, I, am, I am looped in. Each of you should look not only to your own interest. That, say, it doesn't say you shouldn't look to your own interest. You should look to your own interest. you got your own business that you need to take care of. But don't look only to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude, your mind, your heart should be the same as that of Jesus. And it goes off to talk about Jesus being a servant. So here's the thing, guys. If we want to be the better you, we've got to change our mind. We've got to want to be a servant. Point number two, you've got to learn to play your position. Look over to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. The Bible talks about a concept here that I want us to dive into a little bit and talk about. And that's the idea of you being unique and special and being gifted. In 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 10, 1 Peter 4.10, play your position. Each one, who? Each one. Does that include you? Yeah. Yes, it includes me and you. Each one should use whatever gift he or she has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its very forms. If anyone speaks, he should speak as if speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Each one should use whatever gift they have. This, this indicates and infers that we are all gifted in a certain way. Now, let's back to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to look at a couple of passages here about gifts. Romans 12. You've got to learn to play your position. Romans 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to each one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Okay? That goes along the same what we've been talking about, right? Sober judgment. Good judgment, in other words. In accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. That's a great little passage about the church. We're all members of the body, and we all belong to each other. We, we all need each other. Okay? We have different gifts according to the grace given us. We are all gifted. But we're not all gifted in the exact same way. We're gifted in different ways. And he goes now and he actually gives some different gifts. This is, is an, uh, an exhaustive list, but it is a gift a list. He says, if a man's gift is prophesying or preaching, would be an, uh, probably an easier way for us to understand that. Let him use it in proportion to his faith. Some of you could get up here and you could preach. Some of you should not try. That's just not your thing. That's okay. Everybody shouldn't be doing that. 
If it is serving, let him serve. Some of you are great servants. Okay? If it is teaching, you know, some people are just good teachers. You ever had a, think back to your high school years. Or, you know, you guys are in school now. My, 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 my uh, uh, teenagers down here. You know what? Some teachers are not really good teachers. They're teachers, but they're not really good at it. But you know what? Some teachers are really good at it. We all had a teacher. We can remember a couple of teachers we had along the way that were flat, dab, good teachers. And we learned from them, and we loved them, and, and, and they loved us. And we could tell they loved us, and we could tell they loved teaching, man. That they, they were in their element. They were a fish in water, man. They were good at it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then we had another teacher who was like, you know, that, that guy should have, he should have been an accountant. <laughs> he, he missed his calling. I'm telling you, he, he couldn't teach his way out of a wet bag. I mean, he's bad. He just gives a, a D out because, you know, he's lazy and doesn't want to teach anybody. You know, we all had a teacher like that from time to time. That, that's a shame, but whatever, that's true. He says, if it's encouraging, let him encourage. Some people are just encouraging. You know what? I mean, some people can deflate a room just walking into it. They're, they're not encouraging, really. That's not their thing. Other people, they're really, they're, they're full of fire and enthusiasm. I love the fellowship, some of you guys, you know, because you're that way. You just, you've got the gift of encouragement. If it's contributing to the needs of others, some of you say, oh, I don't have that gift. <laughs> you know, amen. <laughs> well, some of them do. Somebody has that gift. At least someone had it in Rome. Uh, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. Some people just leaders. They're leaders. They, they, they join the, the Girl Scouts and they're leaders. You know, they, 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 every, every team they've ever been on, they're the captain. They're just leaders. They just reek of leadership. They, they, they seem to have leadership ability, gifts. You understand what I'm saying? If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. You know, some people are good at showing mercy. Some people are not. You know what? You have something bad happen in your life. You have something bad happen in your life. There, there, there's some people, man, they, they come to your house. They love up on you. They give to you. You're, you're so glad they're there. They're so warm, and they seem to know the right thing to say. You know, they're gifted. That's a gift. Okay, look over to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, whatever. Uh, 10. No, 11. 11. 1 Corinthians 11. Come on, guys, move. 1 Corinthians 11. Or 12, rather. 12. I didn't write it down in my notes, okay? This is, this is free of charge. It's not on the notes. Now, this is talking about the church in Corinth, okay? There's some gifts here that were New Testament era gifts that aren't gifts today. But I want us to look at this in a context, not of, of can I have this particular gift, but in what he says to the church there, in, a, in an era where some of these gifts were there that aren't here today, but whatever. In verse 7, now, to each one, to who? Each one. To each one. Everybody's gifted. You are gifted. I want, I want to get that in your mind. You are gifted. Some of us were like, well, I was never in the gifted program. <laughs> no, you're gifted. You're good. You're great. There's something you're good at. Some of you haven't found it yet, but, you know, uh, but we're still looking. He says that each one, a manifestation of the spirit. Get this. He describes these gifts as manifestations of the spirit are given for the common good. Everybody has these gifts for the common good. 
To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And in still other interpretation of tongues. All these are are works of one and the same Spirit. and, and, And He gives them to each one just as He determines. You are gifted. You've got to learn to play your position. You've got to figure out your gift. What are you good at? Continue on. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are, uh, are many, they form one body. So it is in Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into the one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all given the, the, the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Well, we all know that, don't we? You don't have to be you know, a doctor to know that. Your hands, your fingers, your, your toes, your liver, your you know, spine, skin. I mean, we, we, we're all made up of all these multiple, multiple parts. And they all work together, right? Yeah. To make us work well. Okay? Uh, and, and he says, uh, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That's what we think sometimes. Well, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what my, I, I can't preach or I can't sing. Well, so what? Someone else can sing and sing well. So you don't have to sing. They sing well. You, you can be another part of the body. Because I'm not a hand or do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. I mean, how many of you sisters really think you can get up here and do uh, what Bonnie did? Most of you, you, you have the sense to know, no, I can't do that. You know, a few of you, you may think you can, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure you can't. But uh, she's, she's gifted. That's a gift. Now, she may have worked on her gift. She may have become a better singer. But for some of us, we don't have the, the basic, you know, uh, tools to work with, if you understand what I'm saying. And that's okay. We don't all have to do that. That's cool. We don't all have to do that. She can do that. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the eye. If the whole body were an eye, I mean, we got a 170-pound eyeball up here. If the whole body were an eye, that would be an ugly sight, wouldn't it? The whole body. Where would the sense of hearing be? You couldn't hear anything. You'd be stone deaf. If the whole body were an ear, 175 pound ear up here, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. This is talking about the church here. You can't say to people in the church, I don't need you. Well, what do you mean you say, I can't say that? I sure can't. I don't need you. Well, yeah, you can say it, but you can't say it and be right. Yeah. That's true. That's so true. That, that's like, you know, the, the, the sign says no turn on red. Well, you can turn on red. Just, just turn the wheel and put on the gas and you'll, your car will turn in red. But you can't do it and be right. If there's a cop there, it's going to cost you about $250. Because the sign said no turn on red. See, it's, sometimes we, we, we get all, all, all messed up because we, we say, well, I know I'm not supposed to do this, this kind of thing. You can't say to people in the church, I don't need you. We all need each other right. in the church. Right. All the, we've got to work together. 
and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On, on the contrary, those parts of the body which seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given uh, greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, then its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God, and he's going he's to talk again about different roles and gifts. He appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those with speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? The answer is no. Are all prophets? The answer is no. Are all teachers? The answer is no. Do all work miracles? The answer is no. Do all have gifts of healing? The answer is no. Do all speak in tongues? The answer is no. Do all interpret? The answer is no. But eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I'll show you the most excellent way. And we know 1 Corinthians 13. What's 1 Corinthians 13 about? Love. He says love trumps all of it. And love's what makes all of them work well together. So love is, in, in essence, what blends all these gifts together. But you've got to learn to play your position, guys. We don't have to know much about sports to know. Even on a, a, a basketball team where you only have five players, you have different roles. You know, a shorter guy is generally going to be a guard. Uh, you know, that, that's the position. It's called a guard. He's going to be away from the basket a little bit. If a guy's 6'8", you know, uh, six nine, seven foot tall. He's going to be a center or a forward. He's going to be closer to the basket. They play different roles. If you're going to have a good team, you, you've got to have a, a small guy out there that's really quick and got great ball handling skills. He's a guard. You got to have that. But you also got to have the tall guy that can do the things. Is the guard more important than the tall guy? No. You got to have both, really, if you're going to make it go. Is the tall guy better than the than, than, than the short guy? No. You got to work together, but you got to know your position. We're talking about how to be the better you. Know your position. Know your gifts. Figure out what you're good at. It's okay to be good at something. And not be good at something else. It's okay to not be good at everything. Some of us, we get so down on ourselves. If we're not good at everything, nobody's good at everything. Be good at what you're good at. And be okay with that. Don't feel like you have to be good at everything. Be good at what you're good at. That'll make you a better you. Now, I'm not saying don't improve. I'm not saying that, that you know, if, if, if you just have an obvious flaw in your life that you don't need to get better because improvement's always appreciated, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we, want, we want to grow and, and be, you know, uh, the best that we can in all areas of our life. But if we're going to be the best that we can be, we have to realize I have some strengths and I have to feel good about those strengths and not feel like I have to be good at everything. And if I'm not good at something, that I'm flawed or that I'm not uh, a complete person. Yeah. 
many, many times people that are strong in one area also have other areas of their life where they're as dull as a butter knife. I, I, I'm telling you the truth here, guys. There's areas of their life where they may be off the chart smart or good or, or, or have ability in a certain area. But I'll almost bet you, if you look around that person's life long enough, you're going to figure out as strong as they are there, they've got another area over here in their life that's frankly not, not all that good. And, and, and in that area, uh, you know, that, 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 that's it, it shows itself too. I like to watch that show, The Big Bang Theory. Because uh, it's, it's, it's cute, it's well written, and all that kind of thing. And I love the character Sheldon. I mean, he is, he's the star of the show and all that kind of thing. But he's off the chart brilliant. But I mean, in social areas, he is just, he is just weird, way off. You know, he's just weird. He's just, he, just, he doesn't get it, you know. It's amazing to be brilliant in one area and another area, you just don't get it. You know, and in one sense, that's okay uh, about us in life. Because if we're going to be the best we can, we've got to figure out what we're good at. And we have to be the best we can in those areas. Well, I hope today's been a good lesson in Bible study for you. How to be the better you. Let me go back to the first few things I said. Your, your image needs to be, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Please today, walk out of this room thinking, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am good stuff. Fearfully and wonderfully made. God made me and God made it right. It's the way you got to look at it. You understand what I'm saying there? Don't let life beat you up on that one. You've got to have that good self-image. Be the best you. You're not trying to be the best somebody else. You're just trying to be the best you. And improvement is always appreciated. Brothers and sisters, I love you. Good to be with you today. Have a great time of fellowship. Let's have a good week.